0: Welcome to the Kinetic Enterprise, Built to Evolve, presented by Deloitte. Your host for the program is Bonnie D. Graham. This program will help set up your business for the future with topics centered on the four pillars of the Kinetic Enterprise. We'll focus on case studies and leading practices designed to move you to the next level. Now, here is Bonnie D. Graham.
1: Welcome, welcome, welcome. Happy to be here. And just a side note, Deloitte has been recognized by SAP as the number one global partner. Follow Deloitte on Twitter at Deloitte SAP. That's easy. Welcome. We've had a very interesting topic for you today. I have three specialists on this topic, but this is something that is going to impact all of you, our global listeners, everybody around the world, because you're all consumers. So let me get started. Trends have always evolved quickly across the consumer space, but the COVID-19 crisis accelerated global trends that were already emerging. What did that mean to companies, organizations that required them to quickly reimagine their operations and Innovation, important word. Increasingly, that means, and that meant at the time, having a real-time 360-degree view of the consumer, that's all of us, as well as greater supply chain resiliency and operational efficiencies. And it's now May 2021, if we look back historically over the past year and couple of months, we know that supply chain became a big issue for a lot of companies, a lot of industries, and operational efficiencies were definitely called into question. So how can you, our listeners around the world, activate such capabilities faster? How can you clearly see what's coming next? Oh, we love to think of a crystal ball. So you can get ahead of challenges while extracting more value from your data. It all comes down to data. So today on the Kinetic Enterprise, three Deloitte transformation professionals and consumer leaders will examine some of the high-impact digital transformation trends facing the consumer packaged goods industry. That's why I said it impacts all of you. You'll get insights that can help your company invest more strategically in transformation and learn how intelligent, cloud-enabled industry solutions can allow you to rapidly enable responsive, built to evolve capabilities for navigating future trends and future disruptions. I said it. So, in a moment, I'm going to have my panelists introduce themselves We today have Deloitte's Chris Pingle. Chris, you can wave for the camera. We are recording this. Adrian Guyton. Adrian, good morning. Thanks for joining us. And Juan Manuel Garcia. Hello, Juan. For their take on consumer trends influencing transformation. As a man said in the beginning, I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Happy to be here. Let's go around the table. Chris Pingle, please do me the honor of introducing yourself to our listeners. Take about three minutes. Tell us, Chris, a little bit about what you do, but how did you get to this place in your career? And what's your passion for this topic? Welcome, Chris.
2: Oh, gosh. Thank you so much, Bonnie. Uh, it's so great to be here with uh, Adrian and Juan as well. Uh, so as Bonnie said, my name is Chris Pingle. I, uh, I live in Denver, Colorado. Uh, so I've got, got the Rocky Mountains out my window here that you can't see behind the Zoom background. Um, I'm, I'm in our SAP practice, I'm a senior manager, I've, I've um, uh, been working uh, with companies to really help them through their uh, most challenging sort of like transformation journeys for the last 14 years. Um, also, uh, I, like everybody else listening and um, uh, participating in this podcast, I've lived through COVID and we experienced all the challenges and the, and the ups and downs that that injects into transformation journeys and so I'm extremely passionate about the topic today um, I think there's uh, there's a ton of things uh, that we can we can you know dive into that that kind of reveal um, reveal you know uh, just mindset shifts that we need to take into account um, as we as we embark on these journeys uh, as you know people who work in, in enterprise transformations but also just, People who work to to deliver value, um, to deliver value in the in you know whether it's with uh, companies that sell consumer products or in other industries. Um, so, yeah, I've actually written a few things about supply chain planning, and 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 those have been published out in out in SAP experts. And uh, one of my other uh, side side hustles is that I, I actually run our our consumer products uh, industry solution. Uh, at Deloitte. So I I manage that solution from end to end, and uh, uh, we're really proud of it. So uh, really, really passionate about this topic today and excited to be on board.
1: Thank you, Chris. And I noticed you snuck in the verb injects. And we're talking about COVID, and I, I got that. That's a, a su- subtle pun <laughs> that, in there. That yes. was accidental,
2: Bonnie. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I got it. I got it. Okay. Thank you very much, Chris. We're we're delighted that you're here and that you're feeling great. I'll just leave that one on the table. Adrian Guyton, you're up next. Anybody's looking for Adrian, she spells her last name G U Y T O N. If you want to find her online, Adrian, welcome. I met you a few days ago on our prep call. Delighted to have you here. Please. Don't also, do me the honor of introducing yourself to our audience. Go ahead, Adrienne.
3: Will do. Thank you so much, Bonnie. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, everyone. Um, as, as Chris said, I know Chris and Juan very well. We've worked together uh, quite a few times. Um, I've been with Deloitte for a little bit over 12 years. I started out as a functional consultant, uh, configuring SAP for sales and distribution. Um, now I'm a leader in our project management capability. Uh, delivering transformation projects uh, with for SAP um, for our consumer organizations. I'm also a leader in our SAP cloud practice, uh, focusing on enhancing our implementation and uh, methodology approach. <clears throat> um, I've written a few chapters with SAP as part of an ebook, specifically on our implementation approach and methodology Uh, So I definitely have a passion uh, for organization, obviously, and and following methodology. Um, Additionally, I have a passion for mentoring um, and elevating the voices of those that are around me. So today to discuss consumer trends, it's also an area that I really love to talk about. I'm a consumer, we're all consumers. um, So knowing what's going on in terms of trends, definitely is always an interesting topic. So happy to be here. and Thanks for
1: having me. Thank you, Adrian. It's interesting that as consumers, I think many of us, myself included, are finding bits and pieces in our our buying needs of whatever it is. Uh, There are delays where a store will say, wait a minute, we can't deliver that screen door for the next three weeks. We're backed up on inventory. We won't even get it in the store for two weeks, and then we'll schedule it. And that's what I'm talking personally. There are things that have happened that we didn't realize. Ordering a new computer, right? During COVID last year, six weeks, for a major brand that I've been buying since 1988. It's like, what? I need it now. And there was actually a a notice on the website of a local large consumer products electronic store that said, if you're within 250 miles of Durham, North Carolina, where I live, don't even think about asking us for this because we don't have it (laughs) I'm kidding you not. That's how they knew. Yeah, so much for zip code recognition. Adrian, you're so right. Thank you very much and welcome again. Juan Manuel Garcia, we are equally delighted to have you on them. You all know each other, but I don't know you really well. I just met you all on a brief call. So Juan, please enlighten our audience. What do you do? What's your expertise and why are you here? What's your passion? Welcome, Juan.
4: Thank you very much, Juan. It's a pleasure to be here and to be to be with Adrian and with Tracy. Uh, it feels like a family reunion here. So uh, I've been uh, with Deloitte about 15 years. Uh, during those 15 years, I've been focused on deployment, global deployment of finance transformations and very focused on consumer products. And I think the part that dri- drives actually my passion of this topic is that I've been focused on global transformations, uh, being part of so not only of Deloitte in the U.S., but also member firms in other countries in Europe, in Latin America, in Asia, and really what what really drives my passion here is that the habits and the way the consumers behave are totally different depending on the country where you go to. So, it's been at the, at the start it was kind of shocking to go with some specific practices, way of doing things, uh, make maybe some assumptions, and then when you go to a different country everything you need to start from scratch, because it's not the same. So it's, it's a constant learning. And actually, I think that's what, that's what drives my passion here. And as part of this last year that we had that we have experienced, we that that has been more evident, like some practices that have been reinforced here are not applicable in other countries. So it's mm-hmm. it, it really a, a very interesting topic. Uh, one of the things that we will discuss later that also drives my interest here is the role that social media has started to have here, and again, that depends on on the countries, but especially here in the U.S. has been key in terms of the habits of consumers to acquire uh, goods and 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 yes, what, what they want to buy. So really, that's 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 my passion to be to be in this topic. Uh, as I mentioned, I'm part of the finance transformation mainly and also uh, have written some some white papers and some documents about especially how to do deployments in other countries because again it's you face different situations and and maybe not everyone is very aware of the cultural challenge that you see there so thank you for having me here
1: thank you juan you brought up some interesting topics we haven't talked on any of my radio shows for a long time about the cross-country boundary issues of of selling, of producing, of supplying. And, and that certainly is something that has come into play. And we talked today about any company is not local. You're global, you're global, right? Everybody's nodding their heads. Thank you very much. And the idea that consumer goods can go across boundaries, across countries, across oceans, but what are the rules and regulations that impact that flow, that ability to purchase, that ability to sell? Thank you for bringing that up. One, I like your shirt. You're wearing a Deloitte University shirt. Is there is there a home for, yes, that's it. so much for Zoom. on my left or am I right there? Uh, now talking politics here. Where? What is Deloitte University? Is it something that people attend who are at Deloitte or is it some, an external opportunity? What is it?
4: Oh, no, it, it's our learning center. Amazing place. I think we will need a whole show to talk about it. Amazing place in terms of what you can do there, what you can learn there. Basically, everything that has to do with our learning development happens there. Uh, of course, unfortunately, we haven't been to be there in the last year and a half. Mm-hmm. And uh, maybe it's a commercial, but it—it's amazing food there. Right? So. Um, that's a difference as well.
1: <laughs> Thank you. So talk about social branding. You wore a shirt with something I wasn't familiar with. I asked you about it. You're telling our our global audience, see how this works? It's it's just right there. I love I love the I call this visual nuances of speaking with people like the three of you on Zoom because I can see you, I can see what you're wearing, what you're thinking, what your your emotions are while you're talking. It's wonderful. I used to do radio on the phone for 20 years, and now I get to see all of you. It's great. So, this is the part of the show where I've asked my guests to send me a quote from a movie or TV character or a song lyric that has absolutely nothing to do with our topic, and they're going to cleverly, poetically, philosophically, prosaically, however they want to speak about it, tell us in their own words why they picked the quote and what it does have to do with our topic. So we're going to get to know our panelists a little bit better. Chris has sent us a quote from Red Redding. That is Ellis Boyd, Red Redding, played by the iconic Morgan Freeman in the movie The Shawshank Redemption. It was a 1994 American drama film. Based on Stephen King's 1982 novella, Rita Hayworth and Shawshank Redemption. It's a it's a prison movie, very, very dramatic. I have to tell you, Chris, it's considered by many to be one of the greatest films ever made. It's the highest rated movie on IMDb with a 9.3 and 2.4 million ratings. It's the highest of any movie on IMDb, just so you know, international movie database. Here's the quote. I'm getting to it, Chris. Here's the quote. I I have to remind myself that some some birds aren't meant to be caged. Their feathers are just too bright. Oh, I don't know what it means, but I love the quote. Chris, what does this have to do with our topic?
2: Yeah, yeah. So, uh, well, you you didn't team me up very well, Bonnie, because you said that we'd be prophetic uh, in, our, in our replies <laughs> here. So I'm going to fall short of that okay. and tell you why I picked this quote. Uh so so uh this this movie Shawshank Redemption is is about uh, is about somebody who's a, a unjustly and, and falsely accused and imprisoned for a crime they didn't commit and it's their escape story their their redemption story um his name's Andy Dufresne and he meets uh, an older gentleman Ellis Boyd uh, played by Morgan Freeman who's just one of my favorite movie characters of all time um, I'm glad that IMDB agrees with me about this movie, by the way. So that's a relief. It means I'm on the right track. You are. Uh, so so he's, he's reflecting on the fact that, you know, this amazing character, Andy Dufresne, who he's met is just someone who isn't meant to be there and uh i'm extremely passionate and this is going to be just a tangent a little bit of an offshoot from the topic but i'm extremely passionate like adrian about talent development and about mentorship Mm -hmm. and uh, there are so many times where we run into people uh, who are growing so fast and exponentially we have to acknowledge that we need to expand their horizons and their opportunities that are made available to them i'm extremely passionate about that and i think it's something for us to constantly um, as leaders and as, as people who, 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 you know, work to solve these complex problems, the people element in the equation is extremely important. And so this movie quote always, always reminds me of that. And it's something that I think is, uh, is really emblematic, um, not to imply, not to imply taking it back full circle, that uh, the working world is, is somehow epitomized by a prison scene. <laughs> that's, that's not what I'm going for. Uh, but, but what I, what I am, uh, and I encourage you to watch the movie if you haven't, uh, what I am inspired by is just the story of that, uh, that exceptionalism that can emerge, and we see it so often in our day-to-day jobs.
1: Thank you very much. Appreciate that. Glad you picked such an iconic movie. And yes, if if anybody doesn't know, part of the title of the Stephen King novella, Rita Hayworth was a a redhead bombshell actress way back in the day. And if anybody doesn't know her name, look her up. I think she hobnobbed with the Rat Pack with Frank Sinatra. She made a lot of movies, very beautiful woman. And I was just intrigued that her name is in the title of the novella. So Adrian Guyton I'm looking at your quote you sent us a quote I've never heard of this person I I saw the I saw one of the movies it's from the the franchise called John Wick Vigo uh, Viggo Tarasov played by the late actor Michael Nyquist, N Y Q V I S T who passed away in 2017 this is from John Wick the the movie is now called John Wick Chapter 1 because they did make it into a series this is the 2014 first one the american neo noir action thriller film the character vigo tarasov is a notorious russian gr- crime boss head of the tarasov family as well as joseph tarasov's father and an enterprising businessman with questionable roots how appropriate adrian here's the quote listen up everybody five words that can change your life People don't change, times do. Whoa, that's heavy. Adrian, how'd you find this quote buried in the movie? I love it. Go ahead. Actually, I was
3: watching the movie with some friends not long ago. um, And in the midst of everything that was happening in that movie, if you've watched John Wick, you know, know, he's a hired assassin and there's a lot of action going on. But that statement just stuck with me and the fact that, you know, no matter what happens around us, people seem to continue to gravitate towards their normal. So even with COVID, you know, as businesses start to shut down, people, for example, people who wanted to exercise, if gyms were closed, they still found a way to maintain their normal by purchasing equipment to exercise in home. So no matter what happens around us, people continue to be people. Things that give you comfort, give you joy, give you normalcy, you still find a way to go back to that, regardless of what's happening in terms of times or in terms of environment, socialism, whatever you wanna call it. Everyone wants to stick to their version of normal and you're gonna find a way to get back to that no matter how much the times are changing. So that just really stuck with me. It's something that we see today. Um, I think it's something we're gonna to continue to see in the future. Um, There are times where people change, people really don't change. It truly is what's happening with the times. People still find a way to adapt their normal to the times that they're seeing. So that just really stuck with me hearing that just maybe a couple of months ago, watching that movie and considering what's
1: happening with us today. Thank you very much, Adrian. if we apply it to the idea of consumer packaged goods and industries and supply chains and resiliency, the times they were a changing, to quote Bob Dylan, right? And companies were just, well, it's just another normal business day. What? Everything stopped. What are you serious? What? The times have changed. They had changed. We are all impacted, business-wise, personalized. And Adrian, I appreciate your optimism. I appreciate your your view of the goodness that we can all find some kind of a North Star. A very interesting point of view. Thank you very much. I like that. Juan Manuel Garcia has sent us a quote from Maximus, played by another iconic actor, Russell Crowe in Gladiator. The 2000, year 2000, epic historical drama film, Russell Crowe play uh, uh, tongue twister, thank you. Russell Crowe portrays Roman general Maximus Decimus Meridius. I think I said that right. Yeah. Who is betrayed when Commodus... The ambitious son of emperor. You're really making me work here, Juan. The ambitious son of emperor Marcus Aurelius murders his father and seizes the throne. Reduced to slavery, Maximus becomes a gladiator and rises through the ranks of the arena to avenge the murders of his family and his emperor. Here is the quote. It's a long one. Bear with me. You can help me. Whatever comes out of these gates, we've got a better chance of survival if... We work together. Do you understand? If we stay together, we survive. That was not a Russell Crowe impersonation, Juan. I just want to tell you, I did the best I could with reading it well. So Juan, rescue me here. What does this have to do with our topic?
4: (laughs) Well, I I think it's it's a little bit related with with what Adrian was explaining. It's like really when COVID hit and, and we start changing the way we work, the way we interact with people, the way we consume, the way we even deal with our family, so it, it it was a shock, and it was sh- a shock for everyone. And really, at some point, even in the organizations that we work it, even with the with the teams that we work with, it was the time of saying, you know what, we don't know what's what's happening here, we don't know what's going to happen here, and, and it was a big realization moment there. But the only thing that we're gonna that we're gonna go through this is doing it together. So it's like, and it is beyond just like going this sweet marketing statement it's about like being practical the only way to do that and that's why it refers a lot with with the movie because if you recall in that scene when they are all together in the coliseum they all these people that are there they don't even they didn't even like each other and that's the moment where they realize that you know what i don't care this is the only way that we're going to be able to fight this and, and to be able to win this and i think this is what happened here and again this is related i think with the topic that that we're going to discuss because we were faced with a monster that we didn't know even how big or how dangerous it was and yep. together deloitte with our with organizations that we work with we had to team together to see how to deal with this and and i think we we are doing it in the right way uh, we have learned a lot but uh, yes that's that's how it comes to to the topic today
1: Thank you. Stay together and survive. Also, very important words for for everybody under any circumstance. Thank you to the three of you for selecting such interesting quotes from such interesting movies. I appreciate that. Now we're at the part of the show where we're going to do a deep dive into our topic. If you're just tuning in, this is The Kinetic Enterprise Built to Evolve, presented by Deloitte. I'm Bonnie D. Graham here with Chris Pingle. Adrian Guyton and Juan Manuel Garcia. And our topic today is the kinetic enterprise navigating consumer trends. Oh, yes, very important. We're all consumers and it impacts us from an industry standpoint. If you're in a consumer products industry or just as consumers, period, end of story. So I'm going to go to statement number one Chris Pingle sent me before the show. I'm going to read it, it's brief. And Chris, I'm going to ask you to please unpack it like they say on the news. Take about three minutes. And then we're going to tee up Adrian and ask Adrian to agree or disagree. Adrian, do not be afraid to disagree with Chris. It's just Zoom. He can't get you You understand. And then one, I'm going to ask you to agree or disagree with Chris and or Adrian's. So you've got twice the work. So everybody fasten your seatbelt. So here's the statement from Chris. Capability-driven transformation can require constant reprioritization in this new era of disruption. And yes, Chris, it is an era of disruption. In the enterprise transformation space, we need to evolve away from the scope stability mantra and progress toward increased agility. Chris Pingle, you're up. Talk to us.
2: Thanks so much, Bonnie. And I'm sure Adrian will disagree with me. Um, we go way back and I'm, I'm certain of it. Um, <laughs> also just one other reflection before I start, which is an, another, What I, I love Gladiator. It's an amazing movie, Juan. And I was also thinking about the quote from Russell Crowe. That's, are you not entertained? So hopefully we can, <laughs> we can deliver on that as we walk through this today. Oh, we are. Um, <laughs> so, so, uh, you know, Bonnie. The 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 way you summarized it is is kind of you know my my hypothesis uh, is that you know when we when we perform these huge you know all consuming enterprise transformations, sometimes they take months, if not more than a year, to execute from end to end. And we all sit down at the beginning of them, and we prioritize. Well, what are the strategic capabilities? Um, you know, okay, serving our customers. And, um, you know, we also, we have a strategic advantage compared to our competitors in manufacturing, you know, and, and we walk through this sort of prioritization of what we're going to invest in customization and in and, and, and a solution to, to deliver an end-to-end, uh, end-to-end kind of transformation. And so we all sit down and we have this conversation at a point in time, and then 18 months later, our solution is, is deployed, and is brought to life, or maybe it's a year later or nine months later, Maybe it's a rapid transformation, and it's six months later, and over that course of time, everything can change. Everything can change, and uh, then, then somewhere in the middle of the transformation, we decide: look, we need some time to test this thing end to end, to train people on it, to get it all right, and and we say, okay, our, our scope and our prioritization is locked, right? So we might allow course corrections about halfway through the journey, but the second half of the journey, we're saying, no, 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 no. Everything that you want to do that changes course needs to be approved. We're going to debate it for hours and hours Mm -hmm. on end and consume Mm -hmm. a lot of people, resources doing that. And then what always happens 100% of the time, almost 100% of the time, I'm patting myself against Adrian's (laughs) retort, is that we end up just by the end of all the kicking and screaming, just agreeing, you're right, we do need to do this. It's important to the business. So, you know, a new priority, a new requirement. So we say, uh, you know, sometimes as in, in, we implement these transformations and, and, and have mm-hmm. new solution requirements and new things, I, I just think we should all admit out of the gate that we're just going to cave because the business priorities are paramount. And we, it's more, we need to spend more time and energy figuring out how to be more agile and stop making this a scope box conversation because what inevitably happens if you, you know, you know, if you go live with a process and a solution that isn't oriented around business priorities, no no matter how late they're sort of realized in the game, you are gonna trip out of the gate and your solution's not gonna work once it's productionalized. So I, I have this working theory and I want to test it on my good friends here and see if they agree <laughs> with me. Now, now I'm not sure how in the world, how in the world to execute that. For sure, because it's it's extremely challenging to deal with last minute changes and and all of that, and it's it's something that we have to figure out how to overcome. But I have this hypothesis that we should be spending more energy figuring out how to do that than scope boxing and scope alignment and kind of putting things in a in a clear uh, in a clear box as we as we head into sort of the second half of a of an enterprise transformation.
1: We appreciate your hypothesis, Chris. I'm glad you positioned it that way. And as you're speaking, I'm thinking you're holding up the mirror of reality check to anybody in business around the world who's listening to this and you're saying, okay, kids, let's get real about this. Are you spending more time on process and on rules and regulations, or are you just able to dive in and say, let's go with what the times have changed, right? And I think that was Adrian's. The time have, times have changed. We gotta do something about it now. Love that A position statement, Chris. Now let's see what your friends think about that. Adrian, I'm putting you up on speaker view. Talk to Chris. Chris, I actually agree with you. Ah! <laughs> I, I, I think we should
3: uh, we should capture this moment. Oh, we are capturing it. Um, <laughs> There's a I, first
2: know, time for everything.
3: Th- there is, and maybe a second. But I, I actually agree. I think that we continue to emphasize when we're doing these transformations with companies. It's don't try to re create the wheel in terms of what's standard. So we always say, let's stick to standard. Let's go with, with basic processes. Finance is finance, right? You, you can't really become too innovative with finance. Those processes are just there. So because things change, because times change, as we're going through the transformations, as Chris mentioned, the areas that I think we should always focus on are those areas around innovation. Because that's really what's going to make a difference for most companies. Um, so you, you go through the transformation, we talk about making sure that we stick to the requirements that are being asked for, blah, 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 blah that sort of thing, That that's fine. But let's not debate over the little things. Let's debate over the things that truly are going to make you stand out and become much more strategic, make you much more innovative, and then become that leader in your industry. So I agree that scope is going to change. We, we have to all agree that what we start out with in the very beginning may change over time. But to Chris's point, I would say as those things change, it's better to focus that change on what's gonna make you much more innovative, much more of a leader in your specific industry versus debating standard processes, um, standard activities that really aren't gonna separate
1: you from your competitors is, is really what I'm getting at there. Thank you, Adrian. Chris, hold your applause that she with you. Let's go to Juan. Juan, I'm putting you up. You get to talk to both of them. What's your thought? What's your POV? Juan, go ahead.
4: I would have not agreed a year ago. <laughs> and I think that's part of the that's part of the evolution and part of the changes that we are living. Because actually and, and Adrian and I have been living this situation for the past year and a half, right? So we came with a I would say traditional way of doing the the deployment of the solutions that we that we work with, the organizations that we work with. And one of the main mantras that we have is that we need to stick to the scope we need to be very rigid in terms of governance in terms of like because otherwise it's going to get out of control right and then it came the situation and then i think it goes to the quote of gladiator I where we saw the monster and we had to change and we had actually the, the first and i'll be very open here the, the first. The first months was really challenging with the with the organizations and with our teams because we were not even agreeing in, in working that way. We some of us were more I wouldn't say stubborn, but were more strict in trying to keep the scope and to keep what we are doing. Some others were maybe more towards it, innovation about like no, you know the world is changing, and and that was a process. and And that's that's where the quote comes about like we have to come to this together because. We had to share views. Some of us actually lived the situation in a very different way. And that helped a lot. But that was not easy. That, that was very painful. And and at the end, and now now going to the present, I I, I totally agree. We are Doing our work in a very different way, forgetting about the remote, forgetting about the tools. It's it's about the the world and and the trends are changing. So we cannot spend a year doing the deployment of a big program. That that's that's not how the world is anymore. So because by the moment that we're gonna be done, then it's not gonna be valid anymore. And that's what we are experiencing. So it changed a lot. We are. Experience in different ways. We are uh, we are building small packages that we can deploy faster that are more aligned. We are not touching the things that are change as finance, as Adrian mentioned. So really, as of today, May fourteen, I fully agree with my friends here.
1: Uh, and thank you for putting the date on. I was waiting for the timestamp, nine thirty-three a.m. Eastern Time, U.S. and Canada. I, I appreciate that, Chris. Look at that! You started a good conversation and a lot of agreement there. Are you going to pat yourself on the back for that one, Chris Pingle? No,
2: I'm. I'm just going to thank Adrian <laughs> privately later. <for> that. <laughs>
1: Thank you. Really, really good points of view. Really good perspectives. Thank you very much. Let's go to Adrian. I've picked statement number one from you. I think it's time to pivot away from what companies do and talk about consumers. That's part of our conversation today. So your precision statement is during the COVID-19 pandemic, consumers have become more savvy in how they choose to receive goods while maintaining their new normal concept you talked about that before consumers leveraged direct to consumer channels when inventory levels dropped which led to cpg consumer packaged good companies accessing how they use technology for their digital transformations to keep up with changing consumer expectations that is a loaded statement adrian unpack it please and then we'll see what juan and chris have to say adrian go ahead
3: yeah sure i you know my position on this is as a consumer you know, when our standard products, you know, sanitizers, toilet paper, paper towels, when those things became scarce, consumers became much more savvy and creative in terms of how they continued to receive those goods. So some consumers started to go directly to the manufacturers, if they could to continue to get those products versus trying to go into a store and purchase them where you're competing with the rest of the consumer market. To get limited demand, limited items um, that are part of your normal day. So, you know, an example is I gave before is once the gyms closed, you weren't able to go to the gym, people started to order more home equipment. So that demand went up, and then companies had to adjust to, you know, that specific demand around home equipment. Um, Another area you take, for example, going to movies. Um, The movies, The movie theater shut down, but companies became much more innovative to keep up Mm -hmm. with customer demand by releasing movies at limited theater views, but then also subscription models, subscription models, you were able to receive movies as they came out directly into your homes. So, you know, as a consumer, as I said before, you're going to find a way to continue to maintain your level of normalcy. Um And companies have to keep up with how consumers are being much more creative. When something is released on social media, everyone picks it up and they start down that same path. So companies need to figure out a way to become much more savvy with the consumers. How do I keep up with how they're finding new channels to receive our goods? Um, and I think that's something that's gonna continue even after the pandemic. Consumers have realized that I do have other avenues, other ways to get the products and goods that keep me happy and and keep my family going, and companies are really going to have to figure out how to continue
1: to remain innovative in terms of how they deliver products to consumers. Thank you, uh, Adrian. And while you're speaking, I'm thinking about supermarkets. Look at the changes, curbside pickup, mm-hmm. in-car delivery. Oh, they always had that lane here, order online and get picked up, but more and more. You had to schedule at some supermarkets. It was a two-week waiting list to get an appointment to bring your car to the curb, to have them bring it out. It was it was quite interesting. Um, I know I, I paint a lot and I, I use a very well-known arts and crafts store. I'll just keep it general. This starts with the letter M. And I did not would not go into their store, mask or not. And I had them deliver and they have a lane that says pickup line number one, number two parking spots. And on the sign when you park, it says, call this number and tell them tell us your name and your order number and we will bring it out to you. It didn't work so well in the beginning, but after a while, they got used to their own offering, and it was interesting how that process worked. So, yes, I appreciate it. We decided how we were going to receive our goods, and companies had to offer it, and then they had to deliver on that new delivery pivot, that new agility. Juan, I'd love for you to comment on what Adrian said. Go ahead, Juan.
4: Juan. I think I agree with the savvy part of it. I think they are also becoming, or we are also as consumer becoming more demanding as well. Uh Sometimes it's about, yes, changing the way we consume because of the situation, because of the social distancing, because of of the restriction. In some cases, honestly, it's also because people have more time to think about those things. (laughs) (laughs) And and, and that has happened. Like people people are at at their homes now. They have more ways they have more time, or they had more time to see different ways of shopping, different ways of. Uh, they did more research in the product, so they know more about it. Which usually it was just going to the store, getting cheese, getting ham, maybe going to the traditional brands. They have time now to compare. So it, it's not just about changing the the way with the the way the products are delivered. This is also the whole concept itself. And the the other interesting thing, I think, going to the to the point that you just made is like. Uh, Vaccination, for example, is very interesting that how it started in a very chaotic way. And it's, at some points right now, it's be, it's become also part of a consumer. <laughs> and there, there's also consumer demand there. And, and once you go to vaccination today, compared to how it was just one month ago, it's a totally different story. There's a process, you're a consumer, you have an appointment, you go there. It is basically the same flow that we are following for, for as, as you mentioned, for from the course of pickup or for the online shopping. It, it, it's It's amazing how this has been extended to other areas. And how that agility has played it in all of that. As, as I mentioned, like just one, literally one month ago, the process was totally different. So I, I would say like, I, I, I agree with that, but I think it, it's also related with the, with the demand and the time that people has and, and the influence that social media has, which I think that's, that's another key trigger there. We had one organization where we had to change requirements because how social media posted in TikTok a trend for buying cheese. And then we had to change the way <laughs> the, the way to deliver and to make the cheese available to the consumer because the demand for cheese became crazy just because of a social media trend.
2: So we yeah, totally, totally agree with that.
1: Thank you very much, Chris. We'd love to get your responses. Talk to us.
2: Uh, it's hard to find controversy in in this one, but I'll in, I'll you know put a little bit on the table. Uh, so I think. And it's interesting that you bring up the cheese example because i feel like that might be the exception to the rule for for cheese and some commodity products you know if i think as a comp, you know a lot of companies you know kind of feel like they're missing the social media bandwagon and when they're their brands are never going to be social media trending and they they hear this and they're like oh my gosh i'm missing the boat i need to figure out direct to consumer i need to figure out how to do that But then they miss the fundamentals at the same time of of you know where they sit in the supply chain. So I work with a lot of companies that sort of sit in that you know we sell to retailers like B two B, right? Is their bread and butter, and you know this there's this idea that oh if I can just go direct to the consumer, I take out the retailer. I but like people still buy groceries in baskets, even even if those baskets are digital and online and from your, your Whole Foods, uh, you know, direct delivery or whatever, you know, you know, through, you know, just different digital channels, they're, they're still in baskets. And so I, while I do appreciate the value of sort of like going direct to consumer, and of course, you know, consumer insights informing what you're doing, I think it creates this, um, this false sense of priority on uh, some companies that really their business model is to be B2B, and they need to figure out how to serve serve the retail channel effectively. And to to grow, they need to optimize um, mm-hmm. there. And it sort of shifts their priority to this direct-to-consumer channel sometimes that's that's never going to go well. And you picked cheese, Juan, which I was actually going to pick as a well, maybe, maybe that's a commodity product, but actually you you won the argument already. We didn't even have to have it because you've got the personal experience. But I'll take the ham side uh, of your argument because uh, you said ham and cheese. So, so I mean, on the ham side, you're, you're going to buy that in a basket. And if you're a company that makes ham, I'm just making this up as a hypothetical, are, are, are you going to order your deli ham like at, in a singular purchase or are you going to order it in a basket? You know, And are you going to continue to need an intermediary there at least for the next you know, foreseeable future, right? Um, And, you know, I think that companies need to be realistic about how they're serving consumers and where they sit in that end-to-end supply chain and value chain before they start getting too aggressive. Um, They also should get the fundamentals right before they get fancy. And I see people here, you know, I see see people sort of hearing this kind of like, we need to go direct to consumer, we need to react to the consumer mantra, but it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Can we just like clean up? How you serve your retail channel first, and how you make sure you're you're getting your product into the market, like let's get the fundamentals right before you start thinking about individually packaging up um, you know uh, a few a few slices of ham in a grab and go uh, deli pack to send directly to a consumer. So I don't know. I mean, maybe that's a little bit of a contrarian stance that says, you know y- like let's not get carried away with this at the expense of losing focus on the fundamentals.
1: Thank you very much. Adrian. you started a really good conversation. Anything you wanna say back to them? Yeah, I I would just say back to
3: to Chris's point. um, When it comes to social media, you said there were some companies that, you know, that really shouldn't be their focus, just to kind of paraphrase. I'll just say that during the height of the pandemic, things like disinfecting wipes that were never a sexy product, if you will, started to show up in my social media feeds as, hey, look what I found. And, you know, these are areas in which we can go and get them or channels where you can go and get them. So again, I think consumers can determine what products really are sexy, really are a lead, if you will, um, just based on the times. Again, the people aren't changing. The times are. And now disinfecting wipes is is the big win versus the PlayStation, you know, back in the day. So that's probably my only Touche. little pushback to you on that one. Touche. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Good round the table. Let's go to statement number two from Juan. Juan, this is interesting. And there's a key word in here with four letters in it that is really important. And the word is data. So here's your statement. Consumer habits changed in a very radical way in a very short period of time. We've covered that, but you say data that was used for analysis of products and consumer trends had to be redefined due to these changes. CPG organizations realized they need to have dynamic solutions that could be easier to adapt to new products, new trends, and consumption practiced in a short compressed period of time. Let's talk about data and analytics. Juan, go ahead.
4: Yeah, I think as as you mentioned, there's two components here in that statement. So the first one is about data and and we leave that, as I mentioned, during during this this last year, right? So the, the data, the baseline that we used to have or that we had at the start of this period changed dramatically. So the, the first issue or the first challenge that we experienced was that we didn't have, in some cases, comparison. We didn't have a baseline because the data basically was irrelevant if you compare it to a year before in terms of where people were buying, what they were buying, the quantities that they were buying, the geogra- the, the geography, the demographics, that changes Dramatically, and and we also saw these data as a reflection of the changes that were happening in the world, people moving from one geography to another, uh, people of different ages that traditionally didn't didn't spend or didn't buy now with with a different uh, behavior in terms of consumption, so that is part of what we had to redefine as part of this I would say, like moving scope that we have in the in the deployments and and in the solutions that we were implemented with with our, our organizations that we work together. And the second one, is, as you mentioned, is about the timing, and that's that's also very related. We didn't have the time to do it in one year, in nine mm-hmm. months. And the client wants, or the the organizations that we deal with, they had to be on board, little by little, and we had to move. And and that was actually a good learning experience for everyone to solutions that were, for example, cloud-based because we didn't have time to do all this investment, all this testing from an infrastructure perspective. We needed to have something that was ready to be used. So that's from a technical perspective. From a solution perspective, as Adrian mentioned a few minutes ago, we focus on not redefining the the process that we're we're not gonna change. Finance is not gonna change. Costing is not gonna change. So let's use solutions that are pre-delivered, pre-packaged, and uh, let's take it out of the box. They are not going to be perfect. And I think that's the, that's the changing mindset that we have with the organizations that we work with is not going to be perfect. It's not going to be necessarily 100% of what I originally thought, but it's going to work. I think that's the main change that we experienced together. And then let's focus in what is going to be our biggest differentiators and do it in a platform that all, we also experienced changes in the platforms where we did all these deployments. Let's go to a platform that is more flexible, that is not very hard-coded, that is not very technical, com- technically complex. Let's go into something that is easier to deploy. And they realized also that those platforms that some of us were very, uh, curious and sometimes against them uh, at the beginning were actually work and and that also helped with the credibility of using this out-of-the-box solution this simpler this simpler group by the way were also cheaper i think that was also the main surprise that they were cheaper and they were able to use we were able to use budget in a different way so i that's i think that's that's the two components of my statement here
1: and you just reiterated in your own way, Juan Adrian's statement from the movie John Wick: People don't change; times do. Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. Adrian. That's going to come back to to inform us, not to haunt us over and over again. Let's go around the table on what Juan shared. Chris Pingle, I'm putting you up. What's your thought, please? Don't be afraid to disagree. He's a nice person. He can take it. Go ahead, Chris. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, well. You know, I think it, I think it's really good good perspectives to, to pick pick it apart a little bit. The the first element I think is we need to think about data differently and how it informs decision making. And I think that that's ex, yeah, extremely true. Um, you know, uh, we're even facing it now. So you think about it at the beginning of the pandemic. You had this, oh, my gosh, there's no baseline to compare this to. And now you're saying, well, I can't look at last year as a baseline for comparison. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's it's and we've had a year to realize that and you really people haven't caught up to that. It's like, oh, I didn't think about that. I thought it was just a one time problem. And now it's all of a sudden it's hitting you again because you've sort of got to ignore this period of time. But the reality is it's not about ignoring a period of time. It's about this rapid disruption that's just now Mm -hmm. now there right? So I think some people, uh, you know, you hear this phrase, like, when are things getting back to normal, right? And it's, that's not, that's not what this is about. There is no other side of this where there's just a a back to where things were. This, this disruption and how we think about data-driven decision-making and insights-driven decision-making and predictive and forecasting. I totally agree with that point, uh, Juan. But you, the later point you made, I actually want to, you know, apply a, a yellow flag of caution, you know, we implement uh, solutions and you sort of touched on sort of like a, hey, let's not overcomplicate the solution, right? Let's let's do a light solution <laughs> that allows more flexibility. What mm-hmm. what I've seen is if you implement a light solution, what do you get out of it? You get light data. So if, if you don't force that data capture in the process, then sometimes you come out on the other end without enough data to make decisions. So an example, like on the manufacturing shop floor, If you decide, you know what, look, um, I don't need to capture every single consumption and every single sort of uh, yield variance um, in the process, that's a simpler model, it'll execute more seamlessly. It'll allow you to manufacture and fill customer orders and do all those things. Um, but at the same time, then you're making a decision to sacrifice, well, I don't have good yield variance reporting and I can't make decisions about product mix and raw materials and all these things anymore. So it's, it's, not, it's not necessarily a pure contrarian statement to, to what you were saying, Juan, but it's mm-hmm. sort of like, I think you've got to look at it on a spectrum of, okay, I can go with the light solution um, but I still need to strategize around where I'm going to force processes that collect data, and that's always got to be something that you're taking in mind before kind of swinging all the way towards the, uh, all the way towards the, uh, the, the, the simplified solution model, uh, but totally agree with the agility component uh, while simultaneously saying like sometimes complexity and agility are on opposing ends of a spectrum.
1: Ah, interesting, Juan. <laughs> I'm going to go back to you. What do you think?
4: I, I think I agree with that part. I mean, my, my main comment was about the technical part of it. We are, we are I think, very used to do some sophisticated uh, solutions sometimes and trying to be perfect and trying to be perfect and beautiful sometimes. And we have, some as part of this year, I would say that we have sacrificed the beautiful side of it. In terms of uh, giving priority, I think going to Chris' point about the quality, uh, the the quality that is needed to to operate, but uh, definitely I think it, it goes also with the prioritization that that we talked earlier. But the reality is that we don't have the time, and and we are in a different situation where we don't have the same time and and the same the same way of delivering like we like we were doing a year and a half ago.
1: Thank you very much. I just got a note from Chris. Chris, I'm going to out you here. He says he's only disagreeing to disagree. He doesn't disagree, but he doesn't want to be boring. <laughs> Chris, I'm sorry. <laughs> what, our, what our listeners don't see and what our video viewers, if somebody drops this, this video out there on social media, is that I'm able to send notes in the chat to my guests and have these sidebars on, <laughs> on what's going on. <laughs> and Chris, uh, that was just so charming. I had to say something. Listen, we've got four, three, and a half minutes left. Uh, Aaron just gave me the four minute signal. And and I have to say, uh, I need about 40 seconds to close the show. So Chris Pingel, I'm going to give you about 45 seconds for a one sentence. That's one sentence, one comma, one semicolon, one long dash, period at the end for your prediction on where we're going to go with innovation, with agility, with consumer trends and transformation. Chris, you're up, then Adrian, and then Juan, everybody get ready. Chris, go.
2: I think, uh, so I'm an optimist and my prediction is that we will start to turn the corner by the end of this year on kind of looking back, the world perception will start to look back on this era of disruption as a positive fuel for growth rather than seeing only the negative sides of it. I think we'll start to shift towards optimism. Thank you. That was
1: what it was. It was okay. It counts because it was, (laughs) it was an afterthought connected with a hmm. Okay. Uh, Adrian, you're next. Go ahead. I predict that consumers will actually
3: become more disruptors as well as social media. Those will be the two disruptors that companies will need to learn how to adapt to. And those companies that really know and understand their customers will be the ones who will start to lead in the areas of innovation
1: because they know specifically where their customers will be headed in the future. Thank you. And I have a comment on that, but I'm not going to interrupt the flow. Juan, go ahead. What's your prediction, please?
4: I think it's that when we go back to what it's called, of course, the new normal, I think this disruption and this agility and this direct intervention of the customer is not going to go. And actually, that's something that we should keep focusing on how to make it better, because now it's it, it has become also fun for the customer to, to do that purchase or to do that process. That's part, actually, of their life today, of their entertaining today, to be honest. And we need to be ready for that
1: interesting thank you all i'm thinking of memes i'm thinking of what has happened in social with memes look at the just read a story about a young man who in, invested everything he scra- scraped and sold and everything 250,000 into dogecoin or dogecoin whatever you call it it's worth 2.4 $2. million dollars but he was so committed but it's all meme based and the efts and the fungible uh, cr- cryptocurrencies and look at the way social media has taken over new industries have opened up new ways of people thinking about what they they want to buy whether it's real or not buying a meme buying a a digital representation of a painting that you will never hold in your hands or put up on your wall right Chris and it's worth money today there are so many changes that we don't even we can't even get our arms around so i'm just going to stop on that note i have a bunch of gratitude to thank to the three of you first of all wonderful getting to know the three of you Chris, I really appreciate your being here for so many reasons. You know that, Adrian. Such a pleasure. Juan, your insights were great. All of you, I want to thank Igosa Obakpolor at. Deloitte for putting this together and working hard behind the scenes. Helen Tomas, thank you so much for sponsoring the series. And a welcome to Yasmin Bolanos-Flores, who is going to be working with me going forward very soon. Hello to Natalie Butlin at Maria Rechtenwald, also at Deloitte. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. And thank you for Aaron Keller, our engineer extraordinaire at Voice America. He calls himself my sidekick. He started out at, he was 15 years old when he joined the show, and now he's about 87, but he looks really good. It's been a, been a really interesting year working with me on Zoom, Aaron, Thank you. And thank you very much. So everybody, thank you for listening. Thank you for being part of our audience around the world. We hope we have inspired, educated, encouraged you to do business, to listen to your consumers, to pivot, to be agile. And by the way, I don't call it the new normal. I call it the next normal. Think about that. Everybody wave goodbye. Bonnie D. Graham signing off for the Kinetic Enterprise Built to Evolve presented by Deloitte. Bye-bye.
0: Thank you for listening to the Kinetic Enterprise, Built to Evolve, presented by Deloitte. Be sure to join host Bonnie D. Graham next Friday at 6 a.m. Pacific Time and 9 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Deloitte can help you reimagine everything in order to get the most out of your SAP investments and position your business for tomorrow's demands. Learn more at Deloitte.com SAP. This program is copyright Deloitte Development, LLC. All rights reserved.